0: Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset.
1: I've never had a conversation with other white parents about how to talk to our kids, about how to handle themselves if they're pulled over by the police. But my African American friends and colleagues, that is a part.
0: That's Mark Mesley, a parent WBEZ's Curious City talked to about the talk. When I say the talk, I mean conversations some parents have with children about how they may be viewed as a threat because of the color of their skin. They're heartbreaking talks that no parent wants to have, but many parents say you only have to look at the news to see why they're necessary. Joining us now is Imani Perry, author of Breathe, A Letter to My Sons, and professor of African American Studies at Princeton University. Imani, welcome. Thank you
1: for having me.
0: So your book is an eloquent written version of the conversation I just mentioned. Why was it important for you to capture that in this book?
1: Well, I mean I I, I wanted to do several things. I, I wanted to both um acknowledge the the terror and the grief as a reality that we have to confront with, that our children are faced with um at extraordinarily young ages. But also not to limit the definition of their lives to that, to to assert the great beauty and joy about living in this country as a black person so that, you know, you have to give um, young people both an honest assessment of the world, but and, and also a sense of hope and a sense of beauty and, and, and a deep sense of self-regard. And I I also wanted to ensure that they understand and that the entire society understands that we have an extraordinary tradition of resilience and resistance in the face of this upon which we have to draw. Um and you know, so that for me was sort of the the, the essence of, of the project. Um I would imagine both,
0: yes. I would imagine you're having conversations with your sons about what's happening right now in mm-hmm. the nation. What kinds of discussions are you having with them?
1: We're talking about um, the the kinds of decisions one makes about when to go to the front lines, the risks that exist there, um, how to develop a sense of, Really, of politics. Um, And by that I mean, you know, so if you turn on the news coverage and there's discussion, the frame of reference is always what, well, you know, first there's the tragedy of the deaths, and then there's a discussion about what's an appropriate way of responding to them. And it's so often decontextualized, right? So then, you know, for my kids, I say the question is not, you know, whether looting is okay. The question is, has to be framed in terms of economic inequality, the history of protest, why certain forms of protest elicit a response and others don't. What is actually, what policing actually does and doesn't do, right, in terms of both the under and over policing of Black communities. So for me, as a parent, I want to give them a much richer frame of reference than simply the stories that you hear repeated um, in mainstream media and often amongst their peers, because too often we come back to stories that ultimately wind up blaming Black people for our own suffering. And I refuse to allow that to be the frame of reference that they walk through the world with.
0: You mentioned a word that really caught my ear because I've been having conversations about what it really means. Um, especially right now and and that's the word resilient and yes especially for young people um, it feels to me that we have to be very careful about how we wield that word because resilience when we talk about what it means to be resilient i think it can be a little misleading because someone can appear to be very resilient they're standing they're functioning they're moving through life but they may also be very traumatized so how do you as a parent balance that
1: yes i mean i i i actually i'm so glad you asked that because and i i i write about it and breathe what it means to tend to your spirit To understand that there are times when you need to go into retreat and meditation, the importance of developing real meaningful and deep friendship um, to tend to one's mental and emotional health, that these are actually essential parts to resilience, right? Resilience is not the same thing as putting on a strong face. And I think that's particularly important um, for Black people because um, we... Uh, you know, we admire strength, strength is required of us, but it often becomes this incredibly heavy burden. And so to under to acknowledge the feelings of vulnerability, to acknowledge fear, um, to be okay with sitting with the fact that sometimes the tears just keep coming, you know, they're unceasing right now. Um, This is uh, we, I mean, sim- this is a terrifying season. It's a heartbreaking season for so many reasons. You know, I, our children have been indoors for months. At this moment, they're not, in, they're not with their friends. They've lost any, in the period when they're developing what it means to have meaningful emotional connections with people outside the family. That's been taken from them, um, and so I think. You know for me it's to' it's to it's it's being honest as well as self caring in this process and not pushing down the really difficult emotions that we that we're forced to live with now. Would you read us a passage from breathe sure I would love to okay um the ethics of living with the roulette wheel of black death are complicated sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof we do the fight today for the living grief must not be distorted into the constant imagination of death we ward and guard and try to protect but know that there is no warding or guarding lest your whole life become there impunity. When I stopped watching the killings and declared it, people argued with me. They insisted that public executions would turn the tide. They were wrong. They just ratified the truth. Summary execution is a feature of American life. Awareness is not a virtue in and of itself, not without a moral imperative. I knew the imperative wasn't there. I wanted to be wrong, but I wasn't, and I won't beat my chest beat our minds to a bloody pulp in order to keep trying to have faith in a place that doesn't deserve it, in an American consciousness that hates more than it recognizes. We cannot make of our lives a nightmarish fortnight game with the guns cocked and ready for you as a target and our hands inexplicably empty of self-protection. Sons, I will not allow that to be your life. Your testimony is living with the passionate intensity of one whose presence matters, despite the violence of this world, towards your beautiful flesh. Imani, I think it's fair to say
0: that... Many black kids grow up too early in this country. A Chicago activist and poet, Jamal Cole, he's founder of My Block, My Hood, My City, talked about this at a recent press conference with our mayor here in Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Let's take a listen. It's not normal. we got to grow up too fast. Some kids get to learn how to ride a bike. we got to learn how to act when we get pulled over. When the officer, I'm rolling my window down. My hands is attended to 2. It's not normal. Your thoughts, because you can hear his...
1: Yeah. Frustration and
0: distress there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, and one, I will say this one of the things that I um, am very adamant about is that it is not the responsibility of black children or black people generally to behave in a particular way um, in order to protect ourselves from being killed in the street without any due process. And I say it that way because while we want to believe that we have the power to protect ourselves if we just behave the right way, one of the things that has become abundantly clear is that, you know, these moments are not about black people's behavior, but about the impunity of police officers. And so, um, you know, I I think that it's, it's yet another instance in which, we are, this undue burden is placed on us. I mean, literally people are, you know, will say things like, well, this person shouldn't have talked back. This person shouldn't have moved quickly. This person should, and and while, yes, there are moments when we try to say, well, you know, don't say anything because, you know, they can use it against you potentially in a trial. I think we should maintain our focus Um, on the unjust and illegal and violent behavior um, of the officers as opposed to measuring um, whether we have the quote unquote correct behavior in response to it
0: so your book is Uh. a letter to my sons but before you were a black woman you were a black girl And (laughs) uh, a recent report from the Initiative on Gender Justice and Opportunity at Georgetown University explained uh, this idea of adultification of black girls, Mm -hmm. where they're often perceived as older and in need of less protection than their white peers, and how they're treated differently because of it. Share some of your thinking around that adultification specifically for black girls.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, um, it's huge I mean you know there's this and it and it happens both in in the context of sort of academic settings right and in family settings you know the expectations that black girls at a very young age ought to function as caretakers as people who maintain the home and it's this is in some ways for us it becomes a conundrum because the the reality is that in many situations we do need children to protect participate because when you're in an economically vulnerable circumstance or when you know parents have uh, a huge amount of work responsibilities um, kids do have to pitch in but that shouldn't mean that they are not treated as people who are you know small and precious and developing at the same time I I, I do want to say that I I didn't People ask me frequently, would you have written a different letter to daughters? It probably would have been much the same. Um, I'm not someone who, you know, who focuses on who or who argues that we ought to focus on black boys exclusively or more because we exist in communities together. Right. Our children are together, although the way in which racism strikes them may be may tend to be different. Um, they're all vulnerable. Um, I am someone who who thinks, and people have different perspectives on this, but I'll just say as context, context, I, I posted a picture on Instagram of my first public protest when I was about three years old with my parents under a sign that says, stop the war against Black America. I am a person who felt as though being made aware of injustices at a young age and having a language for them was gave me the resources I needed to withstand them. That's part of the way I parent. Um, I know people think differently about it, but I actually think that telling our girls and telling our boys about what's facing them and that also that it's wrong Right, and that they're precious and beautiful is actually um, gives them tools, as opposed to, to to trying to avoid or evade that reality or put it off until they until they're older. I think
0: it's important to note that there are parents who have black children who are not themselves black, and yes, mm-hmm. and I some of those parents have reached out to me over the last few days. What conversations have you had about? about that side of this conversation and how those conversations need to happen?
1: Um, I think that they are, a, a, well, I'll say a couple of things. The, the primary thing that I tell um, parents of, of black children who are not black is this. When your child tells you that something is off, that they're hurt or wounded, do not dismiss it. And I say that because frequently the way it, white Americans, in particular, um, deal with feeling badly or hurt or sad when some black person they know has experienced racism is to say maybe it's something else, and we experience that as a failure to to acknowledge. Are suffering, they're trying to make you feel better. And when you do that to a child, it is devastating because you've destroyed an aspect of intimacy that is completely essential. So if you have a child that says, I don't think they like me, I don't think my teacher likes me, you have to investigate. You have to think more deeply. It's incredibly important that your child see you in relationship. This is for white parents of black children with other black people as equals, as intimates, as friends, right? So it's not the books are important, the cultural events are important, but the relationships are also important. Because when you live in a white supremacist society, those messages get inside a child's brain unless you've given them something to withstand it. And, and friendship and love, right?, is the most, is the most essential part, right? Um, And so, I mean, I think all of us who parent Black children have a responsibility to see ourselves as people who are always learning, right? We have to, because if we say, we have to give our kids the reason, so that includes Black parents, but I think it's especially incumbent upon white parents of Black children um, to be constantly doing the work of undoing all of the white supremacist messages that are embedded in day to day living.
0: I've been trying to think about uh, how to wrap up our conversation because we've only got about a minute left, and I think I want to end with with something you talk about in the book. You you say people often tell you it must be hard to parent black kids, and that really rubs you the wrong way because it does. It, it's a gift for you. You say having black sons is a gift.
1: Yes, I mean for me the most important thing, and I re- is my is to continuously assert my children are not a problem. My children are beautiful. My children are a joy. The racism of the society is a problem. And to honor my children, everybody in their incredible beauty and joy, I think has a responsibility to undo the bigotry of the world we live in.
0: That's it for Reset. Join us right here tomorrow. We'll bring you the week's top stories, plus the latest on Chicago and Illinois' reopening during our Friday News Roundup. Thanks for listening, and let's talk again soon.